I do what I do, what drives me every morning is I want to positively impact my clients' lives and give them the peace of mind they deserve. This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement plans. It's time for another edition of the Retire Happy Podcast. Walter Storholt here with San Diego's premier holistic retirement advisor, John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial, serving you in the San Diego area with an office on Trina Street, conveniently there off of Highway uh, Interstate 15, I should say, next to Scripps Ranch High School. Find us online at the newly designed GoSecurus.com website. John, great to be with you. Congrats on the new site. Looks really good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited. It's been... Uh a long road ahead. We, we've done a lot of stuff to really improve the client experience, both with our website and uh, our, our emails. And so we've, you know, we've kind of had a little bit of a, where did they go? <laughs> they just fell off the map, but we were, you know, we, we've made a lot of changes and, um, not only to to improve the experience, but as you know, I'm I'm very big into the planning and really to make some of our planning more efficient, also for me and my staff. And uh, you know, Walter, I we've talked about this, especially when we we're talking about our recent trips to Florida. How to me, I, I think a lot of people with COVID it, have used it as the excuse just to give poor customer service. Hmm. Like, yeah, we, we can't do this for you now because of COVID. And yeah, we're gonna we're just not gonna provide the customer service and COVID's always the easy excuse. So I really said, well, we can use this as an advantage to to increase our client experience, right? And make it better. So, you know, now we have a whole little office menu with snacks and the new more just simplified website. And better uh, email servers. So I'm excited. And the backbone always gets overlooked, but the most important thing is the better email servers, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing so, that allows me to communicate with people, you know. Yeah, and I was, I was just, I was telling my wife one night, I'm like, gosh, you know, being a financial advisor and a business owner, it's, you know, you don't. I signed up to be a financial advisor. And I'm not, you know, marketing's just, it's not my favorite thing. But as a business owner and entrepreneur, you have to be good at marketing and you have to be efficient with all these other little things that, you know, are not a, they're not a main part of your job description as an advisor, but as the entrepreneur, they they really are the backbone. Sure. I mean, everybody's got to do some element of their job, whether you own the business or not, that you may not enjoy or like, but it's just part of life. And, um, you know, you can choose to shy away from those things or never interact with them, or you can bite the bullet and try to excel at them in despite of your, you know, lack yep. of desire to become an expert in that particular part of the field. So I commend you. Good job on the website redesign. I know that is a, uh, as someone who is currently going through that process, actually, I know that is quite the task to undertake, and uh, you got to eventually just start making decisions, saying yes, yes, no, and just move forward with it. Otherwise, it'll it'll never be quite perfect. But yeah. yours came out pretty darn good, so well, well done. And I, so. I have, you know, I got to give a shout out to to my team at AE Creative. They 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 did a phenomenal job. They've done a phenomenal job 
with the whole, you know, we have a, a new look, a new brand, you know, new kind of logo. And uh, I've been extremely happy with everything they've done. So kudos to them. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into today's program, and uh, it's going to be a good one, John, because we're going to be talking a little bit about um, how people describe retirement. Um, This is actually going to be an interesting little outside-the-box segment from maybe what we normally do here on the show, so I'm looking forward to that. We're going to take a a look at a recent headline about uh, Wall Street corporations spending uh, huge amounts of dollars in the last election cycle, and uh, we're going to kind of just get some takeaways from that. Plus, we're going to finally be able to get to Greg's question that we couldn't get to on the last show, and Greg has been waiting patiently for an answer to be featured on the show. So Greg and Delmar will get his question answered on today's show. All that and more straight ahead. So let's dive into it. The concept here, John, is describing retirement, and I think it makes sense, at least to me, that the way we plan for retirement is largely influenced by what we think retirement is like or its meaning or what it's all about. And so I wanted to take a look at how some various people across the U.S. really describe retirement and see how maybe that shapes the retirement planning process. And so I found this thing called the MIT Age Lab. They conducted a study a couple of years ago where they asked a 1,000 people to provide five words for how they imagined life after career. They didn't want to actually use the word retirement, so they said life after career. And they asked people of all ages and across all genders and then plotted the results, and there were 921 different words provided in total. All right, so 1,000 people provided 921 different words, so there was some, you know, quite a span of words chosen. But only 28 words out of all those 921 accounted for half of the responses, so they were definitely clustered in certain areas. So I know that people aren't looking at the graphic right now while we're talking about this, but 28 words essentially is what it boiled down to. And so I've got some key takeaways from that, John, and I'm interested in your opinions on some of these things. Most of the associations were positive. That's one of the key takeaways here, with only a few negative words like death, old, tired, boring, and lonely standing out as the few negative words that people really circled around. The most popular words were retirement, relax, and travel. Those were the top three. What do you think? Well, I agree with the more popular words, um, mostly with relaxing and enjoying retirement. Some say travel and some don't. And and those people who really traveled for work go the opposite. And they just say, I want to enjoy what my home has to offer. I want to enjoy the garden and the pool because I was always away from it. You know, with the negative words, I've never heard anyone, you know, I've unfortunately have had to plan and I've I've had some clients pass, but I've had to do some planning right off the bat where, you know, the these people were well into retirement, but hey, listen, death's knocking on the door for one of us and and we have to address this. But I don't typically ever hear anyone say, you know, death old, tired, boring, and lonely. And I, I think Really, if I I did hear that, that would be a major concern. And kind of going back to our old podcast, a non-financial plan, and the stats that blew my mind about um, the alcoholism and uh, suicide rates of many retirees, that that would definitely, if I heard some people talking like that, listen, we may have to get some other experts in here because you you know, there's some red flags here. 
But let's keep it on the positive part. I think people have worked really hard for a really long time. And in some cases, they're working for a company that, you know, hasn't really treated them well or they they haven't enjoyed their new boss. Or I think a real big trend that I've been seeing is just, you know, you've got, you know, these baby boomers that they're set in their ways of doing hard work and whatnot. And you just have a a new generation that's more touchy-feely and is changing the culture and they're expected to change. So I think, you know, now it's, hey, I can go back to living life my way. So I'm really looking forward to retirement and every day being Saturday with the people, you know, I know and love. Yeah. And I do take some solace in um, knowing that out of the 28 popular words, only a couple of them were negative. So the majority of people have a positive view of that life after career. So that is good. And I, I wish there was nobody who associated it with those negative words, but um, you know, you can't please everybody necessarily. Or maybe there's some fear involved for those folks. They don't have a good plan in place, and that's why they aren't really looking forward to life after career. Then I could see why people would maybe focus on the more negative aspects of getting older and you know that retirement time. So again, interesting takeaways there. All right, let's uh, break down a little bit differently. Again, this study plotted all these words all over the place. I looked for some more interesting trends. And comparing male versus female responses yielded some interesting differences. So this is the Retire Happy podcast. And wouldn't you know it, John, that the word happy was a very popular response from folks at how they viewed life after career. But interestingly, it was almost exclusively among female respondents, not male. If we flip the script, males said that success, accomplished, fulfilled, and family also skewed more popular among women compared to men. And that's actually took me a little bit by surprise. I thought that, uh, you know, success and accomplished and fulfilled would be a little bit more on the male side. Yeah, yeah. That last one also surprised me a little bit. I mean, I, I agree that when I look at this plot chart, I see a ton of similarities in the responses uh, between MIT study and the people I talk to on a daily basis. And and really what's been always the crux of this show, it's always been about, right, we've talked about retirement vision, your non-financial plan, your goals. What do you really want retirement to be about? Because that's what we want to match your retirement plan to. It's not about, hey, I got this thing called dodgy coin I want you to invest in, right? Investments are just a tool in the overall plan. Um, and, you know, when I've talked to these people on a daily basis, and this is not going to come as a shock to you or any of the listeners, women and men are wired differently. And I do see more of the the relaxing and enjoying family responses from the female clients, you know, that it's more the big picture nurturing and, and studies have shown, listen, women, right. They, that whole motherly approach, right. At, at home, dad's the, the tough guy and, you know, mom's the nurturer and, and, you know, women have that more nurturing approach. They're, they're more of the caretakers to the, to the husbands or the aging parents, and so that's that's just how they are wired. Um, not saying that I haven't had men with these awesome responses. Um, you know, me personally, and we've talked about this a ton 
I'm very, very family oriented. But I would say that if we're looking at an overall plot chart, male clients tend to be more business. And, you know, they, they, that's not saying that they don't go with interaction, but they want to make sure the best plans and the investments are going forward. And um, I think that's probably more from the more protective, right? The traditional, again, I'm dealing with a, a lot of boomers that are traditional people to where they have that protective mindset that I just want to make sure my family's protected when I'm gone. And, you know, again, on the flip side, I also have females clients that have those traits and those answers. But I do agree that the majority of the responses are in line with that plot grid uh, across male and female. And again, you know, we're wired differently. You know, what was that old saying that they made in a book, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And, you know, this is just another example of it. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, we can break this down in lots of different ways, John, not just through, um, you know, looking at the genders, but also across ages, because remember, this study was through, and I thought this was an interesting part of it. They chose not just to focus on folks that are about to retire, but um, all sorts of ages they interviewed and talked, people that had already been retired for many years, people who had, you know, are 40, 50 years away from retirement. Um, and the various ages also had different takeaways on what life after career means. So the median respondent to this study of 1,000 people was 42. And in that middle-aged group, family, fulfilled, adventure, and security were popular words used. But it's also where the tired and boring negative responses tended to congregate. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, during my retirement management advisory course, they said that retiree clients want security validation, and belonging. And obviously, wisdom comes with age. You've learned from experiences in life, both good and bad, and what is really important in life. And I think fulfillment and family are two of the biggest things that, speaking on behalf of the people I've talked to in my office and myself, that they really want to focus on. And my main goal in being a successful advisor is the word impact. And I've, I've told my clients this. I said, I do what I do. What drives me every morning is I want to positively impact my clients' lives and give them the peace of mind they deserve. And if I positively impact my clients' lives, then I'm going to positively impact my family's life. I'm going to be able to have the ability monetarily to buy my kids things and and go on trips and you know buy the RV and and do things and also be in a certain level of security where I can have that extra day off to experience things with them. So I can positively impact my family's lives, but last but not least as we've talked about in the past my wife and I are very blessed with great careers and income, and we believe in sharing our blessings with other organizations that can impact our community. You know, uh, like the military, the wounded warriors coming back from combat, or children and young adults with special needs or, or illnesses that, you know, we don't have to deal with this, but we can help make an impact on people that have 
have made great sacrifices on behalf of our country and parents who, you know, may be dealing with sick children, which is something that's uncomprehensible. So again, if I can make an impact, it's a, it really is a trickle down or a trickle up effect from clients to my family to, to the overall community. That's really what drives me. And kind of getting back to this family, the fulfilled and the security, as we progress through life, these responses change. And, and that's why I love that they interview different age levels. Um, because I've always wanted to Im- positively impact people who I came in contact with. I've always wanted to have be a, a difference of positive change or positive impact. But, you know, 20 plus years ago, even 10 years ago, right? I didn't have kids that I was responsible for. So as we get older and, and things change, right? I'm not in my 20s and going to Las Vegas, you know, once a month with my buddies and going out to bars, I'm in bed by 9.30. I'm playing catch with my son. I'm playing ice cream with my, my little daughter. The chapters in our, in our book of life change, and, and they progress. And so the tiring and boring negative responses, especially out of the younger group, that does concern me a little bit. I, I mean, I'm not—my generation— you know, we were still, I was still brought up with the, the real good hard work ethic, but I am worried about the younger generation being more, more towards the leaning on expectations that they should be taking care of versus the hard work taking care of themselves. Well, speaking of the, uh, the younger crew out there, young folks, their vocabulary was a little simpler, as we might expect. They use the words cool, good, <laughs> great, nice, and love, interestingly. Uh, those are the most popular. Meanwhile, responses like friends, health, rest, and stress-free skewed much more to the older population um, that was answering to this uh, response to this study. Yeah, so did your phrase. You just like, you made yourself like a lot older. Young folks. <laughs> those older? young folks out young there. Young folks. Um, come here, young, Sonny. The youngins. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know that's funny because or the Utes, as uh, my first boss it, used to always call them, the Utes. What was my cousin Vinny? The Utes, <laughs> the what? The Utes. I got my start in radio hosting a uh, youth uh, talk show called Youth Points, and the uh, owner of the station, a uh, good man named Lockwood Phillips, he had had a show called Viewpoints for many years. That was the adult version of the show. And then he helped us start up a once a week talk show called Youth Points. And so it was one hour every Monday at six o'clock. And so when he would transition from viewpoints from five to six, he would then, you know, set us up for youth points. And he would always go, the Utes are here. They filled the room with their young energy and uh, would turn it over to us for the show. So that was, I was introduced to the word Utes at a young age. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't ever hear any millennials or whatever the younger generations are saying, you know, they're not saying folks. Uh, I could definitely see them saying, cool, great, nice, love. It's always about love and peace and you know, almost kind of reverting back to the hippie days there. Um, I don't see anything <laughs> about iPads, though, or texting. I figured they would have thrown in texting or uh, Twitter. or Snapchat. Uh, That's the thing. Snapchat. These days, yeah, right? Snapchat. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, they didn't men- make any device mentions. So that that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and again, this this goes back to what I just talked about, right? Young folks are, they're 
they're just, you know, they're living their, their own lives. And, uh, you know, they, they want to just live in a cool, great world and enjoy all the great things. Um, they haven't had all the stressors that life has to give them yet. And, yep. uh, that's why we old folks say life experience. And, you know, and that's where you see, you know, people, the older people say, you know, I, I want to be, I would say not, you know, I think the younger people would probably say friends, but having as many friends as possible. And as you get older, you realize, you know what? Uh, it's the circle of friends, the real close friends that you really spend a lot of your time with and, and family. And, and of course, you know, as, as you get older at any age, you start to, to see uh, more health issues, whether it be with your friends or your parents. And, and so health, you know, you, you sit here and, and you start to not feel as good. So you say, yeah, I got to drop, you know, 10 pounds. And I really got to get back to where I can feel like I was when I was younger. So, yeah, I could see, see that. And then, of course, you know, the stress-free. Again, that goes back to the peace of mind of retirement. You know, you, you don't want the stressors that you had that daily grind. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, the big stressor for retirees is the market and having too much risk that they didn't realize they had. And it's, you know, the stressors of, of health. And really, I think what even adds more onto those stressors of, of seeing your loved ones or you dealing with those health is the fact that, you never really had a plan for it because you didn't think it would happen. That's a good point as well. I guess a few follow-ups to this study, but focusing a little bit more on you and, and your clients, John, what words do your clients use most commonly, would you say, to describe their quote-unquote life after career, their, their expectations and experiences? So my experience in talking with the hundreds of pre-retirees and, and, and retirees is that people just want happiness. And, and, you know, that's why my co-host came up with a great name, the Retire Happy Podcast. Um, <laughs> was that you know, me? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the 10% rate of return podcast. It was the Retire Happy Podcast. And um, more or less, they just want, they just want to be happy. They, and they want the peace of mind that they're going to be okay. You know, they're not going to run out of money and that they can enjoy every they can enjoy the fruits of their labor and they often want to do things that they didn't have time to do when they worked so sometimes travel improve their golf or tennis game or now it's pickleball and you know spend time with their kids and grandkids you know especially if those you know kids relocated out of state you know they have the ability to go there and stay with their their kids for a couple weeks at a time or whatnot. Yeah, that peace of mind, you can't replace it. I know that's why so many people feel like that uh, ranked so well, I think, in the the ratings as well. That sort of stress-free is such an important, valuable thing for many people. How do you see these priorities or feelings shift in your clients as people age? Because you often meet people when they're still maybe several years, in some cases, away from retirement, and then you get to kind of watch folks, see, I use folks a lot, but (laughs) folks go through their then-retirement and then even deep into their retirements. Do you see those things, priorities and feelings, shift a little bit with time? Yeah, well, I I use the word folks too, Walter, so we're good there. Yeah, yeah, well, and there was a retirement presenter as a conference, and he's written a couple books and, and whatnot, and and he he really I think he was a, really the first one to coin this, and it is actually used even in by my uh, RMA 
course study work, I saw the same thing. And it's, you know, there you have your different stages of retirement life. You have the go-go years where you're catching up on all your vacations and, and doing all sorts of things and you're living that active lifestyle. And then you have the slow-go years where we're now getting older, you know, it's not as easy to travel anymore. And then you have the no-go years. And um, feelings, the priorities, they absolutely become paramount and they change. Right. This isn't, hey, this is how things are going to be for the next 30 years. I mean, if you look back 10, 20, 30 years ago, priorities change. That's life. And, you know, especially for the new retirees or the, the pre retirees, you know, they're looking at their goals through these, you know, the, the quote unquote golden years of their life. And I do talk with a lot of people who have regrets about being so wrapped up in their work that they missed out on a lot. And, you know, some of these people didn't get wrapped up in their work for selfish reasons. Like they just weren't workaholics, but they got wrapped up in it. So the other spouse could stay at home and raise the kids. And so they could provide all the opportunities that perhaps, you know, growing up as a kid that they didn't have. And again, right, the trade-off was they missed a lot of memories, right? Because they were working a lot. And, and and I'm talking about the simple memories. Maybe they weren't home for dinners or they had to work late and, you know, they, they just wouldn't be able to have that nighttime interaction with their kids. So, you know, now they're beginning their retirement journey. And like I always say, the cruise ship has left the port and you're no longer, you know, if if you're like my wife, you're no longer counting down the days to that cruise. Like, oh, our cruise vacation is in a week or our vacation to Florida is in a week. It's here, right? And, you know, their retirement is here and this is their new norm. Yeah, I think that's important to remember as well, John. And people may be listening to the show going, all right, so what does all this have to do with the actual financial plan, though? I mean, it's one thing to talk about our feelings through all of this, right? But does uncovering these preferences and perspectives, and you know, this is sort of a word exercise, if you will, on today's show, but kind of digging into these things with people, John, um, does it make it easier to develop a more effective financial plan for you? And, And in what ways does that play out? Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's the groundwork. It's, you know, the, the, the foundation of the architecture of the plan. Proper retirement planning is about defining outcomes and helping clients realize their vision and goals. I mean, a lot of people, we've talked about this before, a lot of people don't even know what they want to do in retirement. Well, how are you going to fund your retirement if you really never given any thought to how you want retirement to be? There's a big difference between going on Viking river cruises three times a year and traveling the world and gardening and spending time with your grandkids, although your grandkids could be quite expensive fossil. So, you know, that's one of the first questions we ask people. What is your vision that for your retirement life? And, you know, I've never had anybody you know, come into my office and talk that, hey, I just want it. I want to beat that S&P 500 ticker every year. It's, it's not about that. Um, and as this study says, people want to retire happy. Hence, you know, again, hence the name of what we designed this podcast to be. Right. They want to be able to do things they weren't able to do during their working years. And they want to have the peace of mind. They want to have the peace of mind that all the money that they've accumulated for this time will provide for them. So we design our plans and our strategies around their goals and how they want to live. And that is fundamentally sound retirement planning. 
That's very true. And uh, hopefully this strikes a chord with you. It's fun exercise to think about what are the five words that life after career means to you. And uh, if you would pick different words than maybe what we discussed on today's show, we'd love to hear about it. Let us know what your favorite five words would be for that life after career. Uh, give John a call if you have any questions as well about financial planning, getting ready for your financial future. Uh, any question is uh, you know able to be asked and happy to answer those. 858-935-6210 is the number. 858-935-6210. Or go online to gosecurus.com. Extra, extra, read all about it. All right, John, it's time to take a look at a recent headline. And uh, this one just, I don't know if there's necessarily, I'm not, I'm not giving you some sort of like intriguing uh, statement here. It's just facts and your reaction to them. But uh, numbers are in between campaign donations and lobbying efforts. Wall Street corporations spent a record total of $2.9 billion in political contributions during the 2020 election cycle. Joe Biden's campaign was the recipient of $252 million while the Trump campaign got over $100 million. Wall Street uh, spends a lot of money <laughs> lobbying and uh, putting in some political contributions to make sure their interests are taken care of, don't they? Yeah, they do. I mean, I guess that's probably why we bailed them out, one of the reasons. I'm actually surprised. I, I thought the presidential campaign, I, th- I thought it would have had more money in both yeah. candidates. Um, I mean, out of the $2.9 billion, only $352 million. But hey, you got a lot of politicians to pay off. Did I just say that? <laughs> to take care of. You want to say yeah, it that way? Yeah. I mean, this is truly amazing. I absolutely hate the way our political system is set up to allow mega donor and lobbyists. I mean, talk about conflict of interest. Here I am, and here, you know, Brooks on Capital Management. We always have to be aware of even the slightest of conflicts of interest, but <laughs> DC have at it, right? Big time lobbying means. As the politician receiving those dollars, you will do what they want. I don't know any corporation that would just, you know, give a ton of money just to see one person be elected. There's always there's always strings attached to the puppet. And I know our beloved politicians love to talk about big bad Wall Street and big bad capitalist America and the corruption that goes along with these companies. But I'm sorry to say that I'm going to call you on the carpet because you take their money. Therefore, you are part of the corrupt system, in my opinion. And I think the most shining example was what we had earlier in the year with this whole GameStop fiasco. Um, And I I don't care what side of the quarter you're on in this argument, whether you're for the hedge fund people or the GameStop people, Um, either, either side's market manipulation. But what I truly found amazing, the, the biggest piece I took out of this is I just kind of sat back and and I, I just chuckled and I said, you know, it's amazing how all these politicians who always claim to be for the people, they were very quick to run inside with those billionaire hedge fund and Wall Street corporate types. And, you know, that's who pays the lobbying money. So that in in the end, right? showed their true colors. That's who they ran to protect. So as the old adage goes, money talks. It definitely does. For perspective, by the way, 12% approximately is what those numbers broke down to uh, for the presidential campaign in terms of the amount of money spent. I guess that makes sense. You got 50 other states that have 
people running for Senate on both sides, and then you've got all sorts of uh, congressional campaigns all over the country. So it's a lot more than we probably think about. And then we're not even thinking about like, I don't know, there's probably all sorts of other elected positions, uh, judicial and who knows what else that they would be interested in making sure that they have you know, certain people in place or want to make sure that they were friendly with folks. So uh-huh. yep, a lot more absolutely. races than we think about maybe that start eating into that number. But Yeah, a lot more payoffs. A lot more. <laughs> there you go. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know John a little bit better on today's show. I'm curious, John, do you have any scars that come with a memorable story? I mean... I'm I'm actually for scars. I'm pretty good. Um, I just have two main scars: one on my ankle from uh, work, and and then the scar on my lower back from my two back surgeries. So memorable story, no. I mean, I always get Jake's friends or my nephews or nieces. You know, if we're at the pool or at the beach, hey, how did you get that big scar on your lower back? And yeah, you know, I used to tell them it was a shark attack, uh, but <laughs> now they're too old for that, so they. <laughs> They call it. So now I just have a boring response of, oh, it's just an old work injury. Yeah. So, no, nah, no, nothing no nothing real, too exciting. Yeah. No, no. I, I, you know, I don't know. This might be this. Well, it probably won't date anyone on listening to a podcast, but Roadhouse, where Patrick Swayze, right. the doctor's looking at He's like, what this scar from? Well, that's a bar fight. And, you know, that was, it, yeah, I've got none of those cool stories. No, no, nothing cool like that. My most recent scar is uh, from a toilet. So that's about, in terms of exciting story, I have much worse injuries and scars, but they don't come with anywhere near as exciting of a story. Yeah, and I don't or, even. A, I don't even want to know where that scar <laughs> is, Walter. And I don't want to know how you got it. I, I mean, it's on a, it's on my finger. All right, if, it's a, yeah. it's a relatively. If you're trying to boost ratings. You might, you might have just got a spike. <laughs> it is a, an L-shaped scar, uh, like like a square almost, the the corner of a square. A toilet bowl shattered in my hands when I was moving it. Not too long ago, actually, just a couple of, a couple of months ago, and did uh, this porcelain, very sharp, uh, wedged right into my into my finger, pretty deep. Had to go get stitches, and it, it's left a pretty good little L shaped scar. So, well, I'll I'll always think of toilets when I look at my fa- my hands now. How about that? <laughs> Not exactly what you want, but that's, that's life. So there you go, somewhat memorable story. Uh, there you go. All right, uh, let's open up the mailbag as we get ready to wrap up. John, time to uh, get to Greg's question. He's been waiting very, very patiently. It's time to open up the mailbag. All right, so Greg, thanks for holding with us from that last episode so that we could get to your question this time around. Greg says, I'm being offered an early retirement package from my company that includes a severance package and a pension buyout. Is it wise to consider this? Well, Greg, it's a great question. It's a complex question. And I mean, it's this is, goes way beyond the scope of what I can really answer. And there's really a couple things you need to consider. Number one, what is the size of the severance package? Number two, what is the size of the pension buyout? And also, what is the monthly benefit of your pension and when? As I've mentioned in previous shows, we don't live off of assets in retirement. We live off income. Income is the outcome. So the planning has to look at that. You don't want to replace a guaranteed income stream with a lump sum of assets if you can't replicate that same amount of income on a guaranteed level. 
Um, you know, it's it's real easy to say, well, I'm going to take your pension that's going to pay you uh, $3,000 a month. I'm going to invest you in these investments. And if, if we get a 4% rate of return, then we're going to be able to get you more. Well, you just replace the guarantee with a hope. And what happens if you don't get it? Again, retirement is about defined outcomes and consequences. You want your defined outcomes no matter what goes on in the market. And really, what's the consequences of some of these decisions, right? If you were, you know, using the just pulling money from your assets to live off of and the market dropped 50%, are you willing to, you know, not only stay the course in your plan, but are you willing to take a major lifestyle reduction because you're going to have to, or do you have other contingencies for that? So it's always wise to consider all the aspects of whether it is the lump sum is better or not. You know, perhaps you're young enough to where um, you you can take that lump sum and produce your own personal pension that would have a larger amount with an increasing income. Um, so I recommend you do some serious analysis. I, I would, I mean, this is a lot of analytical stuff that I would definitely be not only using my experience, but but software. And you need to understand the pros and cons of each option. And, and you know, also ask yourself what happens if you don't want the early retirement package. And one last thing you should consider is perhaps taking the early retirement package if the numbers made sense and then getting hired on with another employer or if possible, doing some self-employed consulting. So, um, you know, maybe not, you know, it made sense to take the early retirement package and then you say, hey, I'm going to work another 10 years full-time or I'm just going to do some consulting. I've had a lot of people that have taken their pensions and then actually retired from their company only to be hired back by their company on a part-time basis and, you know, basically had supplemental income working 10 to 20 hours a week. Lots of options and uh, things to think about there for you, Greg. Hopefully that gives you some good direction. Uh, If you'd like to talk with John a little bit more about this one-on-one, maybe you're listening to today's show and you're in a similar situation to Greg, uh, trying to evaluate some of these options. It's always easy to reach out. 858-935-6210 is that number. 858-935-6210 or online at gosecurus.com. John, great to be with you on the show today. Appreciate the guidance and the advice and uh, your takeaways, and we'll do it all again next time. was a great show as always. Walter, always love doing the podcast with you, buddy. Yes, sir. We'll be back again next time right back here on the Retire Happy Podcast. Take care. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. 
past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.